0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. His frequent reminders to buckle up, slow down, and drive sober has resonated with many tweeters. And a public service announcement video on how to merge onto the highway amused more than a million on social media. And occasionally, he can be seen goofing around with celebrities like Eric Stonetreat. It could be the one and only Trooper Ben from the Kansas Highway Patrol. All right. You ready? Let's go. From Fox 4 News in Kansas City. Are we rolling? Are we on? Hello. Hello. I'm Nick Vassos. <laughs> <laughs> this is Signal Hill. Trooper,
1: welcome in yes. to Signal
0: Hill. Great to see you. Hey,
1: Thank you very much for having the opportunity to come here and visit with you today. Uh,
0: so, Trooper Ben, well, we got to ask you here. Uh, in 2008, you joined Twitter. It's it was
1: before, let me think, oh, was let me it think before about that, that now, it's a blur, it's a blur. It's t- it was well, about 8, yes, yes, I guess so. So
0: 2008, yes. what were your expectations back in 2008 <laughs> when you joined Twitter? What were you planning to do with it?
1: I get to, to not get fired, I think, in the very beginning. <laughs> I mean, that was the plan. When I first got on Twitter, I had my own personal account, but I wasn't using it for work. And then I thought, you know, how can I switch this over and start using that for work? Because I've seen a lot of other state agencies doing so. But I didn't ask for permission. I just sort of went all in and switched it up, made mine very law enforcement-like, made, be, became Trooper Ben, and went forward waiting for the day that management was going to call me in and say, hey, what are you doing over there? <laughs> I know, but I survived. Yeah, you did. And now how many followers do you have? You know, I'm just getting ready to cross 58,000 followers in that four or so years. It's crazy.
0: Wow. So you, you have this audience, and you, well, you've, you've developed this audience yourself. Yeah. And again, you've said you said you've done it Trooper light. What works for you? What, why do you think so many people have gravitated towards Trooper Ben?
1: I think it's pretty simple. I mean, in today's world, when does a person get a chance to interact with law enforcement? It's usually during a traffic stop, an accident, arrest. It's not really in moments of of positive interaction and our officers are not out there getting a chance to shake hands, kiss babies, interact, and, and do th- like, do things we used to do in years past. So there's a void. And for an officer to fill that void of being able to be a human, to interact, smile, laugh, talk about the things that are happening all around us, it allows those to sort of align them with me and with other troopers across or other officers across the nation. So, I mean, I like that guy. It's not just about safety all the time. So well, that's important. It's, uh, you know, Trooper Ben's just a normal person that loves to wear the uniform and go out and make a difference every day. So for that I think people, you know, align or embrace what I get to do because it's it's just me
0: being me. Would you started noticing this this momentum building on your Twitter account of people <laughs> interacting with you and and wanting to wanting to visit with you? What were you learning? What was going on in, in your mind at this time when you were beginning to grow your audience?
1: Well, in the very beginning I c- I could tell there was Great impact. I mean, it, there was such a draw. I mean, the first couple of days of being on Twitter, using it for the Hive Patrol, you know, it was during a big winter storm in Kansas City or across Kansas area, and just posting things about staying home and, and not driving. The media became aware of me being on Twitter, and they were wanting pictures, and they were wanting video, but they couldn't get their MMJs, their multimedia journalists, to get out there, so they were using my material, and it became a great partnership for them as well as the public. The public's looking for information. They could simply ask me a question. and I could share it with what I was seeing or what was taking place on the roadway. In the very beginning, I, I became aware that, man, this is really going to have great impact. In the In the beginning of, of social media and being the PIO, the public information officer for my north central Kansas, you know, I always had, you know, emails. I had callbacks. I had uh, visits with people directly in front of the camera. I had a lot of different channels of way to push information, and it was hard to manage that. Where I had you know, one Channel Four News say telling them what was taking place, and I'd maybe give them all the information, and then talk to another news station and realize that I didn't give them the exact same information. Maybe I gave them more, or maybe I gave them less, and Four News would be like, "Wait a minute, here you gave, you didn't give us that information." So it became a managing thing. It was hard to manage, and I found that use Twitter, using Twitter. Man, I could just hit it at one spot, and everybody's got the same information at the same time. It's not uh, different than each other, and I'm controlling the narrative. So I, I really, really
0: enjoy that. What kind of influence has this had on your colleagues at the Highway Patrol?
1: <laughs> I bet you they roll their eyes at it,
0: really. I bet you they do. We'd i would love to hear some of those yeah, stories, too, when you guys are, yeah. you know, meeting at a troop headquarters yeah, or I'm something, huh? You.
1: I bet you they roll their eyes because I, I frequently hear people or they tweet towards me saying, I just got stopped by a trooper, and it wasn't you, but I asked the trooper. And I imagine that there's people all the time that, like, you know, walk up to other troopers and, like, do you know Trooper Ben? And our troopers are probably like, yes, I know Trooper Ben <laughs> because uh, they know me across the state and, and troopers, a lot of our troopers, mm-hmm. we know each other. But, you know, it's just it's something that we need to improve on and, and do a better job of partnering with the public and, and to to be with them about a wide variety of things. You know, so many law enforcement, Twitter accounts or social media accounts, you can you can see how they tweet or how they post. It's very clinical, very sterile, very polished and reading a script behind a podium. And that's not Pol- what
0: police speak yeah, is that... in
1: some ways. That's yeah. exactly that's a good term. That's exactly what it is. It's very guarded. And uh, and they post or tweet or share nothing but very strict talking points or safety messaging. And I think what happens is people get tuned out with that. They, you see that all the time. You just don't want to play along or be a part of that that exposure because it's nothing but the same stuff all the time. I always relate it to sort of a, a football fan. If there's a football fan, and I'll use the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboy fan that, that loves the Cowboys, if they would walk into a room, and every time you started talking, they always brought up the Dallas Cowboys. And you're like, man, oh, man, this person can't ever talk about something other than the Dallas Cowboys. At some point, you would see that person walking up, and you'd be like, oh, here he comes. Get ready. It's going to be about Dallas Cowboys again. And you would, you would disconnect with that person you wouldn't want to be in that same space you wouldn't want to listen to the constant dallas cowboys chatter so the same thing needs to take place with law enforcement is that we need to tell our story about what's important with seat belts and distracted driving and and showing the passions that we have for law enforcement but also to talk about you know the lip lip sync challenge and to do all the other things that are happening and just talk about anything and everything. Because that's what the everything and everything everything else that everybody else is talking about. We
0: need to do the same thing. What uh, what part of Kansas do you cover, Trooper Ben?
1: I've got all of north central Kansas. So we have several tweeting troopers, as they call us. Uh, There's one for each troop. Uh, I cover north central, made up of 18 uh, counties in north central Kansas. Salina is my hub, and I try to stay in my 18 counties, but I do venture off. From time to time, <laughs>
0: like this morning, I know, like this morning,
1: yeah, to go. I mean, if the, I always tell my management, hey, if, if the doorway is going to open up and somebody wants me to walk through it, I'm going to walk through that door because if there's a door open, they're inviting me into their space, and I want to make sure I can tell our story. I want to make sure that they can hear our message, and I'm not going to push them away or tell them no and try to reschedule. So it's important that we fill them voids and build relationships. Yeah.
0: Back to the question I said about influence, and that is, well, I think you've definitely had some influence, (laughs) because in our area of Kansas City, we have, and I follow, and I know many other people do, uh, Trooper Candace, uh, who works here in Northeast Kansas, and uh, she's out, you know, uh, tweeting all all of the same things out there, too. So you've got Trooper Candace, Trooper Ben, and then I think there's a two or three others out there that are, that I follow, too, across the state of yeah, Kansas, over in western Kansas. and
1: There's several of us, about Southwest. seven or eight of us. Yeah, so Candace in the Kansas City, Trooper down in Topeka, me and Salina, Trooper Todd in Hayes, we've got Trooper Mike down in uh, Garden City, Trooper Chad down in Wichita, and Trooper Rick in Chanute. So them are our PIOs, and in addition, we've got a recruiting account, we've got an aircraft account, we've got... Uh, and motor uh, vehicle inspection account and we've got an academy account so we've got several Twitter accounts and then some Facebook pages across the state
0: yeah uh, we mentioned earlier you have a I don't know just shy of 60,000 followers right now but last March you got some help from your buddy <laughs> Eric Stone Street <laughs> to add 10,000 followers to your account yeah what in the world were you doing uh, with Eric Stone Street and what happened there well that
1: was quite the deal Eric I I don't know how we, I'm trying to think of how we aligned ourselves to each other in years past, but, you know, that event that you're referencing, I happened to be at K-State that day. I was getting ready to speak to a bunch of students about becoming a state trooper and how I love wearing this uniform, and uh, Eric, just out of the blue, sent me a text because we text each other from time to time. He sent me a text asking what I was doing, and I was like, I'm at K-State right now, Eric. I'm I'm getting ready to talk to students and wondering, like, what's going to happen? Well, just prior to that text that he sent me, I tweeted out that, hey, I just want to get to 40,000 followers. If I could get to 40,000 followers, I'd be doing really, really good. And uh, after his text, he sent another text and said, uh, there you go. That's all it was. Just there you go. And I'm like, what, what are you doing, Eric? What, are you, what are, What's going on here? <laughs> oh, oh, no. And then I seen his tweet that basically said he'd give $1 for every new follower I get over 24 hours. Not to exceed $10,000, and he would donate that money to the SAFE program, which is a, a program in Kansas. Seatbelts are for everyone to increase seatbelt usage. So talk about a whirlwind of activity because it was, for the next 24 hours and beyond, really, just a flurry of notifications on my phone. Extremely hot phone. <laughs> yes. And it's just, on fire. <laughs> yeah, it was. And uh, after that 24 hours, I had 10,010 010 followers. So Eric cut a check for $10,010. 010 to the SAFE program to help try to move students to wear their seatbelts more and, and to see the benefits of wearing their seatbelts. So it's amazing uh, just how a spotlight can be put on something, and, and Eric having such a reach and connection in Kansas can help put that spotlight on things that are important to me but I think important for you and important for parents and for people that have been involved in crashes to realize that seatbelts are important.
0: Trooper Ben Gardner from the Kansas Highway Patrol is our guest on Signal Hill. How well... Are you and Eric – what's your relationship like right now?
1: (laughs) You know, like I said, we message each other from time to time. So Eric, out of the blue, will just send me a text. Now, he – I'm sure will probably see this or hear this at some point. But uh, he loves to send me pictures and – Loves to reference other state troopers and other states. So if he sees another a trooper in another state, he'll snap a photo of them and he'll send it to me. And he'll be like, "Man, these troopers are so much bigger and stronger in this state." Okay. So he's always doing that, uh, but it's fun because he he's he's real. You know, he knows that you know we're not always about being in the moment of the business but to have fun and, and just to interact and, and socialize. And he certainly does that. He and I, we send stuff all the time back and forth to each other. So it's a friendship now, not just a person that's helping me out. It's a person that, <laughs> that I interact with from time to time. I, I, I look forward to seeing him at K-State games.
0: By the way, if you'd like to follow Trooper Ben, you can do so on Twitter at KHB at Ben. K-H-P. And you have a lot of fun there. And as we've mentioned earlier, uh, your messaging there is for, you know, safety, uh, you know, slow down, drive sober, uh, all those kinds of messages. And then one that really struck a a nerve with a lot of people, uh, I think it was this year back in February, was the merge uh, PSA that you did on Twitter. And that went gangbusters uh, over the Internet. What? Spurred you to put a merge (laughs) PSA out there on Twitter.
1: uh, When I'm at work, anytime I have something that feels difficult in my chest or anything that feels great in my chest, I try to show it. I try to showcase it. And that day, I was in Salina trying to get on the entrance ramp. I was trying to merge into traffic. And certainly traffic in Salina, Kansas is nothing like Kansas City. But I was trying to merge into traffic, and I think we've all experienced it where a vehicle is extremely slow merging in, not building up speed. Or maybe people have experienced, and I have, where a person will get to the bottom of the ramp and stop oh. and wait, you know, not accelerate to get into speed. So I, I was frustrated. I got on the interstate, and I thought, man, come on, vehicle. Why? I can't believe you didn't get up to speed. So I thought, that's a good teaching moment. Let me pull to the shoulder and whipped up the camera real quick, talked about it, and let it fly on Twitter and social media. <laughs> and my goodness, it did, because it's got close to 8 million views now on Facebook. And then I'm like, I know, 8 million. I couldn't believe it, because I posted it on a Friday – I went off the work for the weekend, and I actually got the flu during that weekend. So it went viral; it took off, and I had all these Fox News, CNN headline news, all these news stations asking me to fly me to their station to be in studio. And I was, I was sick as could be, saying no, I couldn't.
0: Oh
1: my <laughs> I know, I couldn't do it. So. Finally, when I get healthy and I'm back to work, the moment has passed because things are viral. They go live, and they're exciting, and all of a sudden it just fades away, and that's what's happened, but – yeah, it's amazing how something like that where people can experience and say, man, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. I've had people that have brake checked me or they're not accelerating, they're not getting up to speed, as you say, mm-hmm. and it's a problem. You've got to get up to speed when you're getting on the interstate.
0: All right. Let's talk about some of the other things that us drivers are are having trouble with as we continue our conversation with Trooper Ben Gardner of the Kansas Highway Patrol. I would imagine at the top of that list is distracted driving. That yeah. continues to, to, to be a problem. Uh, traffic accidents, and we see it here in Kansas City all the time. But, you know, all you got to do is get out in your car and go drive around, and you'll see somebody there on their phone.
1: Yeah, You're absolutely right. If, we, if you stop at a stop sign, a four-way stop, or you've got a traffic light and it's red for you, just to stop and to look to the left and right, I, I without a doubt, somebody around you is going to have a phone out. And if you can't see their phone, you're going to see them looking down to what you believe is probably a phone in their lap. They're so connected. Today's world is so connected that we need to recognize that, when is the arena? When is the time to be on a device and when is their time to drive? And when we're driving, that's the number one. You know, there's vehicles all around us that will take your life and we need to prioritize that. And I see that when I'm at work. I know that the public doesn't get to see that as much. The only time they know it is when they when they see it in the TV, they hear it on the radio, or they read it in the newspaper. Uh, and then it's in their mind. They're adjusting. They're slowing down. They're realizing I better not text and drive. But then it fades back into their comforts of I can just grab that device for just a little bit. You know, it's against the law in Kansas. I'm sure it's the same in Missouri. We just need to make sure that when we're driving, we're driving. We prioritize that. And it's it's not as easy as just my words saying that we should do that because we all have that that draw, that desire to say, hey, what notifications do I have? What's that email saying? What, uh, how many shares did that post get? There's some excitement there. But we need to put it off and realize that, you know, now is not the best time. And if you feel the heat of the flame virtually or as you would say to that, that difficulty of getting involved in a crash or injuring yourself or someone else or you know, forbid killing somebody, you'll real quickly realize that you shouldn't be doing it. But we don't get that. I mean I, I hope we can, we can learn from others' mistakes um, and adjust compared to having to feel the, the heat of the flame or the effects of something bad around us.
0: You're in law enforcement. It's against the law to text and drive. How do you go about enforcing that law?
1: You know, that's it's extremely hard. I mean, I, I want to be real, honest, and open. Every time I talk about any law, I try to be real, honest, and open with the public and with people. The texting law is a difficult law to enforce. Our officers are out there trying to enforce it, but there's there are things that we need to uh, we always need to improve or look at to see if we can be adjusted or changed. Um, the texting law basically says no one can read, send, or write a written communication. So that is email, text, Facebook message, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. If you're reading or creating or sending a written communication between you and another party, it's a violation of Kansas law. So for an officer watching somebody with a phone in hand, they have to try to figure out, is that a, are they texting? Or are they doing something else with that device? Are they dialing a number which would be legal? Or are they punching in a navigation to drive somewhere there's a lot of things that we have to try to figure out is that texting or is there something else that's playing out playing out that's legal and it's challenging for our officers so what i what i see our officers doing is trying to figure out is it texting or not and if they can get a texting violation they stop that vehicle they indicate why they stopped the vehicle and then sometimes off of the person's statements they know they can continue on or not i think what's more so taking place knowing the texting law is a a law that's that's challenging in itself to enforce is that we as officers in kansas at least we watch and we see somebody that we believe is texting and driving and knowing that that's a hard law to to enforce we will back off and watch and within minutes or seconds a person will fail to maintain a single lane they'll drift because of that inattention to a device that we believe is texting and driving but it's hard for us to to prove so we'll watch and if they cross a fog line or center line it's a violation of failed to to maintain a single lane of of travel so it's a ticket for that so we'll write a ticket off of that and that's an easier one to prove we can show the court and we can show the judge hey look at the tape they crossed a center line they crossed a fog line we think they did so because of a device but it's hard for us to prove that side of it so we will get them for something Mm. uh, alternate. Mm -hmm. Um, The public wants us to enforce that. They want us to be out there writing the distracted driving tickets. They want us to hold people accountable and be safe, but it's not as easy as as one would think.
0: In your nearly two decades of service with the Kansas Highway Patrol, do you have any ideas about how to better enforce or to to keep people off their phones? I mean...
1: Yeah, what I would say to that, we always need to evolve our laws and look at our laws. So a law that's been put in place years ago for the texting law is a law that we needed. Uh, There's always times where we adjust or tweak laws, and I think that's a law that we should always be looking at and and tweaking if need be. If Kansans and people across the state say, yes, let's adjust it, let's do so. Uh, What I would say, though, it doesn't matter about the law, does it? It doesn't matter what the state of Kansas should tell us about texting and driving being illegal we should ourselves recognize that it's not a safe thing to do and that we don't need the state of kansas saying don't do this we should be able to say i shouldn't be doing this and to adjust and what i do for my phone on my iphone is i when i'm driving i i turn on the do not disturb um in addition on iphones on their on the ios the newest ios update there's a do not disturb while driving feature that you can turn on so that it limits any notifications so when you're driving you can truly drive you don't have anything beeping or alerting or letting you know That there's something there waiting for you to interact with. You can focus on the task of driving. So I do that. Or there's times that I turn my phone off. Like just like right now. Mm -hmm. Right now we're in a conversation. I need to focus on a podcast. I need to focus on being with you, being connected, being involved, and being focused. If my phone's sitting up right now and it's set to alert me, I'm willing to bet that if it was flashing or alerting, I'd be distracted and looking at what's that message right now as I'm talking to you. You know, there's times that we can just sort of shut that off. <laughs> and say, you know what, let's just focus on the moment that I'm in, which is with you talking about things that are important.
0: One of the things that us drivers are having trouble with these days, uh, you know, there's a ton of construction across the state of Kansas. <laughs> That's
1: always the case. Uh,
0: highways are down to one lane. Yep. There's backups. Drivers get frustrated. Uh do you encourage drivers to use the Zipper Merge? Yeah, the Zipper Merge thing. Yeah, absolutely. Zipper Merge hey, is Tell great. us what the Zipper yeah. Merge is for those who don't know. It's, you're
1: challenging me here now because the <laughs> Zipper Merge is something that's more for a metropolitan area than it is for sort of rural or western Kansas or central Kansas. But the metropolitan area or an area of high density, the Zipper Merge works really, really good, which is just that. It's like a zipper. You fill up both lanes, and as you near that area where we funnel down to a single lane, we act just like the teeth of a zipper. One moves in, the next vehicle moves in, and you continue to do so uh, until you finally funnel down to one line. Compared to everybody get to the right lane and you're merging in way in advance and you've got a left lane that's that's vacant for the majority of it. And you got that person that always runs way up ahead to try to work themselves in when they could have done so way in advance. So, and everybody
0: in the right lane tells that person they're number 1 yeah, on the way by. <laughs> Don't they? But he's just he's just using the zipper merge, yeah. right? I tell you in Kansas City the zipper merge is good
1: cuz you know what it does is it it doesn't build up a big line of traffic behind that narrowing of a single lane. If we're all if we didn't do the zipper lane in the metropolitan Kansas city area what we would have is we'd have one lane let's just say it's the right lane built up for really really long distances and somebody coming around the hill or over uh, around a curve you know, might not realize traffic stopped up ahead so if we can try to get as much traffic up close to that single lane it limits the exposure of secondary crashes happening from behind so it's something we need to improve on it's a it's a Big, metropolitan, Kansas City, dense yeah. type of traffic thing. And KDOT, and I'm sure MoDOT, is is promoting that type of activity because they've shown it's it makes a difference on limiting crashes and uh, and making a better way to get through. But we got to work together, yeah. don't we?
0: It just seems like, yeah, <laughs> for sure, because it just seems like in the last few years, uh, Department of Transportation and, and, and traffic crews have been uh, – talking about the zipper merge, say, here's, you know, use it. I, mean, I don't think a lot of people know what the zipper merge is. And then people get frustrated. People get angry, yeah. Trooper Ben. And we know what happens when people get angry in cars. Yeah, they do stupid stuff. Yeah. I mean, they do. So we, we need to be in control of ourselves
1: and our vehicle. We can't control what other idiots do. And there are idiots out there. That word is, is applicable to a lot of people out there driving down the road because we see it. But um, what can we do in our vehicle? What can we do with ourself? And recognize that you can't control what other people do and how they drive. You can only control what they do, so, what you do. So um, the zipper merge makes a difference, mm-hmm. and especially in the metropolitan area.
0: Speaking of, of being grumpy and, and, and maybe uh, upset not, at other drivers. No, I'm, I'm I'm doing just fine, <laughs> yeah, Trooper say. Man, talking to you. Uh, you're positive, upbeat, got a lot of energy. We like that. But why do? I mean, why do you think people have road rage? Why do people get – why do they lose their minds and go and do something crazy? Is it because they have this 3,000 pounds of steel around them? Yeah, you get you get some ownership in your space, don't you? I mean, that's my space
1: right there. You just cut me off. You took that from me. So there's that, I think, that's playing out. But, you know, it, it's easy to get brought into that, and I found myself in the beginning of my career sort of getting that same way. It's like, you know, just just disconnect a little bit, separate from, you know – Other people making errors. And I think another thing, people make errors driving down the road. Hopefully it doesn't result in a crash or result in injury or death, but it's it's something that will take place. People will mess up from time to time. So we need to give some grace a little bit and some space and say, hey, it's okay. I see you messed up. Just own that and move on. Even in the moments when I'm driving my sweet minivan and I'm off duty and I've had something happen or I've done something wrong, to simply raise a hand up with all of my fingers extended, not just <laughs> one, and to simply, you know, word to that individual, I'm sorry. Yep. I did that. I'm sorry. That's on me. And you'll find that a person will say, okay, that person's owning it. And that other driver that you might have just cut off will say, okay, hey, no problem. See you later. But we don't do that. We, uh, we don't take ownership sometimes in the things we've done wrong. And just simply to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. And that's the reality of getting behind a wheel and a lot of, a lot of things taking place
0: in front of us. Or if somebody lets you merge into a lane of traffic, they stop, and they let you in. Just give them a wave. Yeah. You know, put it, up, put it up in front of the rear view mirror and say, hey, thanks, yes. pal. Absolutely. Doesn't it's all good. Give you know? a smile, and we'll start a ripple of other smiles across. That's exactly right. Uh, I bet seatbelts and teens are also uh, something that you're passionate about, too, of trying to get teenagers to wear their seatbelts. We see statistic after statistic that those teens don't buckle up as often as they should.
1: Yes, seatbelts C- are, are the first thing we can control when getting in a vehicle. We can't control, again, what other drivers do, so they're going to put you at risk from time to time. You can't, uh, you can't say time out to put a seatbelt C- on. It's, C- belts and my bulletproof vest are comparable in some ways. The Highway Patrol gives me a bulletproof vest. I don't have to wear that bulletproof vest. The Highway Patrol gives it to me just like you have a seatbelt C- in your vehicle. You don't have to wear it. Law says you have to wear it, but the reality is it's on you. If you run it across your your body or not, so we have uh, benefits and, and consequences, and same thing for me wearing my bulletproof vest. If I walk up to a vehicle and somebody wants to start shooting at me, I can't say time out. I can't say hang on a minute, whoa, let me go get my bulletproof vest on. Stop for a second and run back, pop the trunk, put it on, do some stretches, and say let's 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 do this. Someone else can put me in that situation whenever they want to, and it's the exact same thing with a seatbelt is that you have to wear it from the moment you get in knowing that someone else can put you in a bad situation you can't say time out and uh, and having some ownership on you know this is what can keep me safe when we get in a vehicle we don't think of it this way but when we get in a vehicle that's probably the most likely moment you're going to get injured or killed for your day's activity but do we consider that we, don't, we have no thought of that in any way Mm-mm. we just get in a vehicle we turn on the music we start eating we listen to music whatever. We don't connect the dots on, man, this is a, a dangerous arena that I'm entering in right now. And that when we get in the vehicle, what can I do to keep myself safe and others safe? And it starts with wearing a seatbelt and paying attention. Uh, I would be wearing a seatbelt regardless of a law because I get to see the things of, of seatbelts and not. I see the consequences of someone not wearing a seatbelt. I see the great benefits of someone that has worn their seatbelt. And for me going to Rex and seeing that for my 19 years and in every way validates the importance of wearing seat belts. So for teens, as you started in the very beginning, we need to always improve getting their usage rate up. When we increase the usage rate, it reduces the fatality rate across our state. It reduces the injury rate. Fatalities are up right now across Kansas. The last two years they've been up. We've been downward trending for the majority of my career. Now they, the last two years have been going upward, and upward significantly. So there's a lot of discussion with emergency people, KDOT, Kansas Highway Patrol, to try to figure out what's changing, what's going on. We've got safe roadways, we've got safe vehicles, we've got a lot of laws in the books. It's human error that's contributing to these things and how can we try to get the human error to be suppressed and try to do a better job of driving. And that's the challenge right now because we're trying to figure out why and it's it's something we're still trying to get a grasp of.
0: Perhaps distracted driving plus no seatbelt.
1: Yeah, I, I, distracted driving is something that's going to be around, uh, no matter if there's a law or not. And some might think this is ridiculous, but why you see that movement of autonomous vehicles and and how the human error is what's causing crashes. If we can take away that human factor, then that will lessen fatalities even more. And and for some, they'll say, "Mike, that's never going to happen. That's crazy. Autonomous vehicle is never going to happen." Well, that same person that says that's probably the same person that's checked themselves out at the Walmart store without going to a cashier. They've gone to the fast food restaurant that, you know, now you don't even have to go to the counter to order your food at McDonald's. You can just tap in the screen at some McDonald's and you don't have to talk to anybody. So we're taking away some of that human aspect of of errors and allowing on the individual to to
0: sort of burden something else, technology to take it up. All right, let's switch gears here, and let's uh, let's take you back to your your hometown. Where's, where's oh, home? Where's hometown oh, oh, for Trooper Bandit? It's <laughs> in Michigan, actually. So, really? Yeah, I'm not a Kansas. So, We're about in Michigan. Yeah,
1: so I live. Uh, I was born and raised just south of Lansing, Michigan. Town called Charlotte, which is spelled Charlotte, but it's pronounced a little bit different. Charlotte, Michigan, uh, south of the capital of of, uh, of Michigan. So. Uh, born and raised there, grew up. Uh, when I graduated in high school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and I uh, worked in a factory for about a year. I worked in a factory building storm doors and windows, and during that year, I remember uh, several individuals working in there, and they had been working for 30 or some years, and they were—they hated their life. They hated their, the, the routines of everything. They were not enjoying going to work, and I kept on thinking, am I going to be in the same path do I need to get out of this rut? I got to get out of this situation. And I uh, enlisted in the army at that time. So I joined the military. Fort Riley is my first duty station. That's what brought me to Kansas. So three-year enlistment, Fort Riley, Kansas on tanks. I was a tanker, 19 kilo. So I was a driver, a loader, and then a gunner on a tank. And then uh, during my time at Fort Riley, like most military people, you go down to Aggieville. i met a beautiful, amazing, articulate, wonderful Kansas girl, <laughs> I know, that uh, as we started dating, because she was a K-Stater, she basically said to me when we were dating that she wasn't leaving Kansas, and that's when I, in my mind, became a Kansan, is when I decided I was going to get out of the military. So, got out of the military, started applying for law enforcement positions, got on the Kansas Highway Patrol, and, and that's where I've been ever since, for the 19 years. Wow. I hope to do 36 years with the Kansas Highway Patrol. Why 36? 36 years is when you get your best return for retirement. So we see some troopers go to 36 years, and that's that's when you sort of cap out with your best return. Um, we, You know, some troopers start retiring around 20, 23, 20 some years. Uh, I just, you know, why would I want to get off this ride? This is a wonderful, wonderful thing I get to do every day. I mean, there's there's great impact that I get to have, and if we open our eyes to that, well, if we get to mm-hmm. see what we get to see every day. Um, I was telling you this before we got you know, before we got recording, how there's people that will tell me um, that you know they couldn't do my job. That man, it's now is a bad time to be an officer. I couldn't do your job right now in today's world, and I always push back to that and tell them now now is the best time to be an officer across the nation, and in particular in Kansas and and the and the the Bible Belt, the central part of the United States, because in the beginning of my career, uh, you know, in 1999, I would get. thank you or I would get a I'm praying for you or I'd get a uh, I'm gonna pay for that coffee for you but it would be very rare but it would happen but it'd be very very rare now it happens all the time it happens almost every day I have somebody that comes up and says thanks for what I'm doing or I'm praying for you or be safe or they they want to pay for my food or I go and order my food I'm sitting down and eating when it's time for me to pay for the bill somebody has paid for it already and I don't know who it is but I can't pay because they've already paid and they've left That happens all the time for me, and I'm sure it's happening for others across the states. And uh, and to to know that there is a a swell of support for law enforcement that has a difficult task of wanting to serve and make a difference. We want to go out there and, and partner with the community. We want to we want you to be proud. I always say I want people to be proud of me. I want people to be proud of this uniform. I want them to be proud of the Kansas High Patrol. I want them to say that's my agency. That's my trooper. That's my uniform. That's my patch that represents us. And it, it's being it's being transparent. It's being forward thinking. It's being uh, engaging and smiling and partnering and, and making people realize, man, I'm just like you, and I wanna I wanna I wanna move to a better place with you. Um, it's important
0: that we do that. That passion started in 1999, and it it would appear, and this is the first time I've <laughs> met you. It appears to have turned into a big inferno right now. I mean, you love what you do, do. and it's 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 infectious. And I I, I mean, it, you you just you encourage people to do to the very best, and it's all positive. It's it it's uh,
1: it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I I love it. It's easy to it's easy to be able to experience the things you get to experience and, and feel the way that I do. I mean, there's days that I go to work. I say this, and I'll have to explain this a little bit, but there's days that I feel like an angel at work. And people are, you know, usually when I say that, they like, well, what's this mean, okay? But there's days that I feel like an angel. When you get a call on the radio and you have to drive lights and sirens to an event, and you get there and you might be first on scene, and I've had this happen in my 19 years. You get first on scene. You get out of your vehicle. You run down to the vehicle, and there's been times where people have been significantly injured at them calls or, or you've got people that have been killed The people inside of the vehicles, they look at you like an angel. They look at you with such need and desire. They don't care who you are. They just know that you are that person that's gonna lift them out of this, could be their most darkest moment. And I'm telling you, when you walk away from that, when you have a moment to make some significant impact on someone's life, you are empowered to say, man, I wanna keep on doing this. I don't wanna stop. I wanna find the next call. Give me the next call. Serve it up, I'm ready to knock it down. Tell me what I gotta do, I wanna go do it. That's what we get to do as first responders. We get to be able to make a difference and a lot of times people's very hard moments. I think about no, death notifications. It's just think of what that would be like. I mean, my words alone do not describe what that moment is like. When you get a call to say, to go to someone's house to tell them their son or daughter has been killed in a crash. I'm telling you, when, when I get that call, my stomach and my chest gets extremely tight and it's extremely oh. difficult at that first moment. So you go to somebody's house, you try to make sure you've got the right location, you knock on the door, and, and you try to figure out what are you going to say to this person, knowing that this is going to be probably their their moment, their worst moment in their life. And you're in it. It's, it's a lot of times just you and that other person. No one else is around. So you stand there knocking the door, and I frequently see people walk through their living room, raise their hand, and smile at me as they're seeing me on their front porch because they see somebody there. And they'll smile walking to the door, and you don't, you don't smile back. You can't smile back because you know that yeah. what you're getting ready to do is going to be something devastating to them. And you watch their hands start to drop. You see their smile start to wash away from their face, and then they come to the door. And usually what they say in the very beginning is, what's wrong? They can see it in you. They can tell that there's something, something difficult that needs to be addressed. And... Uh, you always start with, are you the right person? I'm trying to find this person. I'm trying to find this address. Once you've got the right information, you, you say the following words. What I always say with all of my many death notifications that I've made in my career, I say the following words, which is, which is, it is my sad responsibility to tell you that your son has been killed in the crash today. He's dead. And then I wait to see what happens next. It's my sad responsibility to tell you that your daughter has been killed in the crash today she's dead, and then you wait. You know, your mother, your father has been killed in the crash today they're dead. and you wait to see what happens next. And in my 19 years, uh, there's three things that I typically see people do. The first is, they will fall to the floor. Their ability to stand is no <laughs> their ability to stand is no longer able, and they will fall and collapse right in front of you. With significant emotional difficulty because you've just told them that their loved one, their son or daughter, mom and dad has been killed in the crash. There is others that will um, be silent. They'll just sit there and look at you with tears running down their face with confusion trying to figure out is this the reality of what I just said to them. Is this the reality that uh, their world has significantly changed? And then there's others that in my time physically will push you right off the porch with a, usually a defiant no, with physically grabbing you and pushing you away from, from them with a defiant no because they don't want to believe what you just said to them. And I'm telling you, in them moments, I, uh, I love to serve, as be a servant. And I think even in those moments, it's where we, as, as first responders, have a, a significant role of moving someone to a better place, moving them from a difficult, dark, hard spot to get them to an area of support and love and care and comfort. And it's a lot of times it's just you and that other person. In and, and my 19 years, I've done a lot. And I'm just one of how many other first responders, troopers that are doing the same thing all across Kansas, Missouri, or across the United States. It happens all the time. We lose in Kansas about one person a day, um, and I have no idea what Missouri, I bet you it's, I know it's more because they have more fatals in a year compared to us, but there's one person that in Kansas that has died or is dying right now or will be dead today, and then there will be a first responder, somebody that's going to have to go to a house probably, and tell them that there's been a loss, and it's difficult. Why we have to control ourselves and our vehicle, starting with a seatbelt, limiting distractions, and making sure we're empowering ourselves to move through that moment that could be the most dangerous moment in their day.
0: Trooper Ben, thank you for sharing that moment. That is such an incredibly difficult time uh, for not only you, but for all of your colleagues, uh, troopers, and for police uh, everywhere. I think just gives people some insight as to maybe another aspect of of the the challenges to, to your job. How do you balance the notification versus support in a time like that
1: man that's a that's a wonderful question I think a lot of first responders they carry too much of that load they don't speak or share or reach out for others and why we see across our nation a high divorce rate for first responders and a high suicidal rate for first responders because they're they're experiencing a lot of things that are very difficult so they need to make sure that they are honest with themselves and realize that that burden they're carrying on their shoulder needs to be carried by others, others that are coworkers, their family, their loved ones, their religious institutions, whatever it would be. So for me, you know, when I have to deal with something significant in my day, uh, when, when my day's done, uh, I'm off the clock, everything's off and I'm, I'm with my family and I'm trying to really take in uh, my loved ones and to speak to my loved ones, my wife, and you know, about the difficulties to just be a sounding board about what you experience and sometimes that alone gives you an outlet to get some of that difficulty out of you because it does and making sure officers do the same thing with their coworkers, because they they can understand it they have been in the same place so to be able to speak to man I had this happen uh, and having someone else say I, I know what you're saying I had the same thing and this is what I did is so vital but we don't I don't think I think first responders in particular law enforcement we are alpha males generally the majority of officers are males and they're alpha males meaning that they're strong (laughs) and i'm not weak and i can carry all this burden by myself and that's where we get ourselves in trouble we need to exit out of stops if it's a traffic stop that doesn't seem like it's going so well we need to exit out of that and try to wait for backup and if need be get in a vehicle and back up until somebody else shows up and the same thing's true for something we've experienced is we need to share that burden and reach out to others around us and to realize that that is what it is to be uh, a person that has emotion and seeing things that we get to come across.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> a lesson for everybody is in, in difficult times and that's isolation, unfortunately can be a killer. You need to be able to yeah. share it. You need to be able to talk about it uh, with someone uh, so that you can, you can get it out there in the open. Cause I know from my own personal experience You know, you share something difficult, you get it off of your chest, uh, you're able to identify it and process it and try to find a way to to be able to to help yourself get to a better spot. You
1: do. I mean, we reference law enforcement first responders, but just as you said, it's not just it's for anyone that's carrying that difficulty. They need to speak to that and to partner with somebody that they
0: trust to to carry some of that burden with them. If someone comes across a Kansas Highway the trooper and they're stopped, Help us understand what we as citizens can do to help you in a yeah. situation like that.
1: So, you know, what we always want is a person to, to understand, well, if they're being stopped, to, to do a couple things for us. The first thing is to try to find a good spot to stop. Um, it's reasonable. If, if it's busy traffic and there's really not a big shoulder, but you know that up ahead there's a parking lot or you know up ahead there's an exit ramp, to just slowly adjust your speed maybe turn your hazards on, and then to move up to that better location than to try to make a traffic stop or to yield to that emergency lights in a very narrow spot. It puts yourself and the first responder at risk, so there's that. Uh, When you pull to the right, because Kent's law says pull to the right, to pull well off to the right if you can, ideally what I'd love to see people do is to straddle the grass and the concrete. So half of their vehicle is on the grass, half the vehicle is on the concrete, so that it is well off of the shoulder because everybody driving by is going to rubberneck and look over to you and I, and uh, it puts us at risk. So if you can be well off the road, it gives us more room to deal with that threat. And then uh, to stay in the vehicle. you know, A lot of times uh, I see senior driver, seasoned drivers, older drivers, they like to exit out. They like to walk out of the vehicle and meet us behind their vehicle, and that's old habits, that is a sign of respect, but the better thing is to stay in your vehicle and be safe in the vehicle. So to stay in the vehicle, uh, don't do anything, not a lot of movement. I mean, we see people that during the traffic stop or once they're stopped, they're reaching for insurance, they're, they're putting their purse away. Well, for a first responder and, and for a law enforcement officer, we're trying to figure out, are they reaching for something or are they hiding something? Any excessive movement makes us elevated, trying to figure out what, what do we got in front of us? We don't know who you are. We know we've stopped you for something. So as we approach, we're trying to assess that. And any excessive movement elevates us, I think, and how we navigate up to your driver's door. Uh, so stay in the vehicle. Uh, when we get up there, we're probably going to be hiding behind that little pillar, behind your window a little bit, because we, again, don't know who you are. But we're looking for your hands. So hands are the things that are going to harm us and hurt us. So if you have your hands visible, that makes it better for us. Leaving your hands on the steering wheel or some people... I think this is extreme, but some people do this, and I appreciate it. They'll roll their driver's side window down. They'll put their, win- their hands on the windowsill so that they're very clearly visible so that as an officer walks up, they can see the hands or on the steering wheel just to make them visible and to stay in the vehicle, relax, and let that officer explain what's going on. If you don't agree with what he's doing, and that's that can be the case, then you basically need to accept, at least on the side of the road, And there's a path that needs to be taken for you to challenge it, and that's for the courtroom. That's not on the side of the road. On the side of the road, it's dangerous for us to get into discussion about why you're ticketed for whatever it was. It's not safe for you. It's not safe for the trooper officers. So let's just take that discussion to the right place, which is the courtroom, when we have a court Mm
0: -hmm. date. Trooper Ben, it's uh, been a pleasure just to to speak with you and to learn more about you and to – more importantly, it is to feel your passion that you have for the Kansas Highway Patrol and for the state of Kansas. Yeah, I would say and for everybody. I would say that I
1: am one of, of hundreds, if not thousands, all across Kansas, uh, and all across. You know, there's so many officers. People just know me. They know me because I have a platform to speak to that. How many more officers are out there like me that you don't know? There is. It's just that they're not able to show it, and they're they're all around us. It's just that I happen to have a platform to showcase what I get to do.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for joining us on Signal Hill, Trooper Ben. Uh, been a pleasure. If you'd like to follow Trooper Ben, and I encourage you to do so, you can follow him at Trooper Ben KHP. At Trooper Ben KHP, and then you'll also see down there all of the other troopers from the state of Kansas that you can follow. And if you live here in Kansas City, be sure to follow Trooper Candace KHP on Twitter as well. Sounds good. Trooper, stay safe, and thanks for your time.
1: Thank you very much.
0: He definitely takes a unique approach in connecting with the public. And you heard him say that right now is the best time to be in law enforcement, saying that he loves wearing the uniform every day, serving the people of Kansas, and his passion undeniable. Great to have Kansas Highway Patrol Trooper Ben Gardner on Signal Hill. Be sure to check out fox4kc.com and click on our podcast tab to subscribe to Signal Hill. We are available on iTunes google play and stitcher and be sure to check out our website for new episodes i'm nick Vassos. thanks for listening to signal hill